Welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Hello, my friends. I am so excited for you to hear this podcast episode today because we're getting into a few relatively controversial things. One of the things, honestly, that I love most about health and wellness is that the latest knowledge is continuously evolving. So we always get to keep improving and learning. And today's episode will give you a few ways to do that. We start with a study that found a link between a common chemical and kidney disease. We move on to a recommendation for one of my favorite snack foods, and we finish up with a top-to-bottom review of calcium supplements, whether you need them, if they might even pose risks, and what to do for strong bones if you don't take a calcium supplement. Let's dive in. In today's health news you can use, I'm discussing an October 2021 study out of the University of Queensland. It links malathion, which is a pesticide used to prevent mosquitoes, aphids, and beetles on crops. It links that to increased incidence of kidney disease. Now, I'm not sure why they studied this particular insecticide, malathion, It makes up only about 1% of all of the insecticides used in the U.S., but researchers from uh, this study were studying people from all over the world, so they weren't U.S.-centric. And and I'm not really sure why they studied kidney disease in particular, because insecticides and pesticides are linked to so many conditions. And I think as the research continues evolving, we will learn more and more conditions that they are linked to. But this is where we are in research right now. It honestly takes a long time to do and get approved and get into public knowledge. And so we're still pulling one chemical and linking it to one condition instead of just saying, ooh, pesticides are bad for us. (laughs) We have enough evidence to say that. And in reality, the human body's probably reacting to all the chemicals we're exposed to all all day, every day. So these single studies only kind of show a fraction of the damage we're causing. But this is where we are today. So this is what we'll talk about. The researchers on this study used the NHANES database, which we've talked about before. It has 41,847 people, so a really large database. And it found that the people with highest exposure to malathion had 25% higher risk of kidney dysfunction. This is huge. 25% higher risk in nutrition studies rarely happens. So this is really big. Now, the people in the study with super high exposure were mostly farmers working in fields and and being very, very closely exposed to these chemicals. So the average consumer will not have this high exposure just from eating food. The study cited that this was causing particular problems for farmers in India, Sri Lanka, and other food production areas. But even if you're not a farmer and you're not exposed to these super high levels, 
we still have to think, or I still have to think, that a smaller amount ingested of this stuff isn't great. If a large amount causes 25% higher risk of kidney dysfunction, I'm not super excited about putting even a small amount into my body. And this is why I prioritize buying organic when I can. I do not eat 100% organic. I do not want to be dogmatic up here on the microphone. I do not want to uh, make you feel bad for anything that you consume. And organic is more expensive. So if it's not feasible for you right now, there are tons of other things you can do. Drink plenty of water. Move your body to detoxify with sweat. Just do your best overall. We cannot identify any one single thing and say, this is what it takes to be healthy. Uh, We're just not there yet. Or actually, I don't think we'll ever be there because health is multifactorial, so um, we can't put too much emphasis on just one thing. But if organic is accessible to you, it's a great way to guarantee there are no pesticides or insecticides used. For me, I prioritize the Dirty Dozen. You can just Google that, Dirty Dozen produce or something like that, and you'll find the list of the top 12 veggies and fruits with the most risk of harmful chemicals. So each year... Uh, The Environmental Working Group, I believe, publishes this, and it just gives us a really nice guideline like, hey, if, if we can afford to buy one or two things organic, let's choose it from this dirty dozen list. The list generally contains things with very thin skin like berries, spinach, things like that where we are eating the outer covering. And the Clean 15 is the opposite of this list where you can basically save your money. You don't need to buy organic for these things. And that generally contains things like uh, bananas and pineapple and things like that where we're peeling off the skin because we're not exposed to the part that has come in contact with the pesticides. But just Google that dirty dozen um, if you're interested in taking a step in that direction. And of course, as more and more research emerges, I suspect we'll find more and more detriment to all of these chemicals used together. So the fact that malathion isn't the only chemical uh, or actually represents a small fraction of the chemicals used in the U.S. doesn't mean that we're out of the woods. I suspect we'll learn more and more about all those other chemicals as well. But this is a start and a good reason for me to continue prioritizing organic when I can. All right, health news you can use was pretty long, and the veggies of the matter is going to be pretty meaty, Uh, so I'm going to keep Megan Recommends relatively short for you. Megan Recommends today is olives. I know. I think I talk about olives a lot on social media or to clients. I feel like I I talk about olives a lot, and it's kind of a random food to uh, promote, but I love olives. Personally, I love the flavor. I love the tang of olives, and I know there are some of you out there, those crazy ones that are like, ugh, olives are disgusting. For you, just fast forward about 30 seconds. But if you love olives at all, or if you like olives at all, they're a wonderful snack. They're full of rich, healthy fat, lots of good uh, brain-healthy food, uh, brain-healthy fats in olives, good omega content. They'll keep your blood sugar stable. They're super tasty, and they actually fill you up much more than grabbing a bag of chips or something like that with a lot more health benefits as well. So I will link in the show notes to 
olive packets that I, I honestly keep a packet in my car. I'll like throw a packet in my bag if I'm going to be gone for many hours. Um, airplanes, I think uh, olive packets are wonderful snacks on airplanes. Anytime you need something portable that will tide you over, olive packets are a great way to go. Uh, and then I also get olives. I like Kalamata olives the best, but any olives are healthy. Um, uh, I like I get I like to get them. There we go from Thrive Market, and this is basically a discounted online Costco for healthy food only. And I will post a link to a discount to Thrive Market in the show notes as well, so you can get some olives and some other tasty foods. All right, my friends, it's time for the veggies of the matter. And if you're taking a calcium supplement. Or if you're feeling guilty about not taking a calcium supplement, you're definitely going to want to listen in to this one. When I'm meeting with clients, one-to-one clients for the first time, or when we finally get into supplements, so often they say something like, ooh, I know I should be taking a calcium supplement, but I'm not yet. Or maybe the total opposite. They're like, well, they're the obvious supplements like calcium, And to some extent, both of those people are right. Calcium is very important, but what I'm going to walk you through today might surprise you if you've ever said one of those things. The current research on calcium supplements is what leads me to recommend against most traditional calcium supplements. So today we're going to talk about why calcium is important, whether or not calcium supplements actually work, some of the risks and detriments of calcium supplements, and then how to strengthen your bones without calcium supplements. So let's start with why calcium is important. When you think of calcium, you probably think of your bones, and you're absolutely right. 99% of the calcium stored in the body is in the skeletal system, and calcium is super important for strong bones and strong teeth. But calcium, that 1% that's in our bloodstream, has dozens of other functions that are really critical to our body running appropriately. So calcium regulates the secretion of some hormones. It helps transmit nerve impulses. It helps our blood clot. It's an electrolyte, so it helps our muscles to contract. It keeps our heart beating at a normal rhythm. It's really important So our body is constantly regulating the amount of calcium in the blood. And if there's not enough calcium in the blood at any one time, a hormone called parathyroid hormone tells our bones, hey guys, we know you got the 99% over there. You have a lot of calcium. We need to borrow some right now. So could you just break yourself down a little bit and put some more of that calcium into the bloodstream and then we'll be able to keep the heart beating and the nerve impulses conducting and the blood clotting and all that stuff. And so this sounds like a really nice partnership. Parathyroid can just ask the bones for some, it puts it into the uh, bloodstream, and then everyone's happy. Except not everyone's happy because over time, if the bones have to break down more and more and more to add some calcium to the bloodstream, this causes our bones to weaken, which can eventually lead to osteopenia and osteoporosis. This does not happen in one day. So please don't think if you don't have calcium one day, you're going to get osteoporosis or anything even close to that. But over time, that teeny little bit of calcium that has to be leached from the bones can lead to weaker bones over time, which is why 
consuming some calcium is important and having adequate calcium in our bodies is important. And for most people, this is around 1,000 milligrams of calcium per day. So it sounds pretty easy to just get that from a supplement, right? But not so fast. It sounds easy, but the research actually doesn't show that calcium supplements work. So I have linked in the Lion's Share blog post for this week. That link will be in the show notes. And that blog post contains links to all the studies I'll talk about today. So if you really want to dive into the studies, feel free to go down in your show notes, scroll down on your podcast player, click the link to this week's Lion's Share blog post, and that will give you all of the information I'm going to cover here and more, as well as links to all of those studies. But several of the studies that I'm talking about in this section are meta-analyses, which means they're like studies of the studies. These researchers sit down with a bunch of different data sets and they try to combine all of them and make big conclusions because they have so much data. And most of these meta-analyses show little to no correlation between calcium supplements and risk of fractures. One of them that I cite has this quote, evidence that calcium supplements prevent fractures is weak and inconsistent. So even some of those studies that do show benefit from calcium supplements, they're just not well done studies enough for these researchers to say that the calcium supplements actually work. One person that I cite in my blog post a lot His name is Ian Reed, a professor of medicine and endocrinology at the University of Auckland. He suggests in his research that while calcium supplements can initially raise blood calcium levels, they don't prevent fractures. His quote is, recent meta-analyses suggest no significant prevention of fractures. In some, there is little substantive evidence to benefit bone health from the use of calcium supplements. And then even Harvard Medical School, which again, I'll link in the post, says there's little evidence that high calcium intake has more than a marginal marginal effect on bone density and fracture prevention. And one study that I link even found that the women in particular with highest calcium intake had no reduction in overall fracture risk, but an even higher than normal risk of hip fractures. So the people who were taking the highest amount of calcium had higher risk of hip fractures, which is crazy. And then finally, one more MD, Dr. Aaron Michos, who is the director of preventative cardiology for the Sicarone, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, Center for the Prevention of Heart Disease, says, the truth is the research is inconclusive, but there is a growing body of evidence that suggests no health benefit or even worse, that calcium supplements may be harmful. Harmful? That sounds pretty strong, but let me explain. There is actually significant amount of research that shows there might potentially be detriment to taking calcium supplements. So why could this possibly be? I believe, based on all the research that I've read, that it's because calcium supplements, most calcium supplements, come in a format that can't be readily absorbed by the bones. So this is usually calcium carbonate. It usually comes from ground limestone, and that format just can't be sucked up by the bones and the body really well. So when you're taking a high, when you take a 1,000 milligrams at one time or, or higher, many people take much higher than that, the body just can't absorb it all to the bones, and it tries to deposit the calcium elsewhere. It's like, oh, I don't know what to do with this, so let me put it somewhere. This leads to 
calcification. You've probably heard that word, calcification of the arteries, and you're like, that just means hardening of the arteries. But here, the root of that word, calcification, calcium buildup in the arteries, which can lead to heart issues. So when we're taking too much calcium in a format that can't be absorbed, we can, over time, get calcification of the arteries, which can lead to heart issues. So that same doctor, Dr. Aaron Michos, found another quote, calcium supplement users showed a 22% increased likelihood of having their coronary artery calcium scores rise higher than zero over a decade, indicating the development of heart disease. She found, she and her team found that this risk was not higher in people who had a high intake of calcium from diet. So when people ate a lot of calcium from food, no increased risk of heart disease. But when they had high intake from supplements, they had a 22% increased likelihood of heart disease. And the Johns Hopkins publication, which I have also linked, states, quote, Recent studies have linked calcium supplements with an increased risk of colon polyps, small growths in the large intestine that can become cancerous, and kidney stones, which are hard masses usually formed in the kidneys from an accumulation of calcium and other supplements. And this article also recognizes the risk of calcium buildup in arteries leading to the heart. So there are lots of things thrown around here. Kidney stones, colon polyps, heart disease. I will link to several more potential concerns in the blog post that I've mentioned. The last one that I'll mention here on the podcast is that is a study that showed that for women who have had strokes, uh, so a small sub- subset of people, but still for women who have had strokes, the risk of dementia was seven times higher among women who took calcium supplements than it was among those who don't. So there are lots of risks here. And I think what we're here, what we're learning is calcium's important, but the supplemental calcium from limestone, calcium carbonate that most of us get, is probably not worth the risk. So if we know that, we want calcium, but we don't want the most traditional supplements, how do we get it? How do we get enough? Like I said, most people need around 1,000 milligrams per day. This is for women up to 50 and men up to 70, and then they recommend increasing to 1,200 milligrams per day thereafter. So you can get this from food. And I bet I know what you're thinking when I say which foods contain calcium, and you're right, but I'm going to start somewhere else because leafy greens have abundant calcium. One cup of cooked broccoli has 180 milligrams of calcium. Other greens like kale, collard greens, Brussels sprouts, they all contain abundant calcium. And the research shows that the calcium from leafy greens is far more bioavailable than that from dairy. So if we're getting 180 milligrams of calcium from broccoli versus 180 milligrams from dairy, we're soaking up and using more of the calcium from broccoli because of its cofactors. So leafy greens, number one. Number two, beans. Beans of all all kinds have very bioavailable calcium. Tofu, which is made from soybeans, can have up to 750 milligrams in just four ounces of firm tofu, half a cup. That's a lot of calcium in a little bit of food. Sardines have great calcium. You're eating the bones of the fish, so that's where you're getting the calcium, but it's great, very bioavailable if you like sardines, nuts and seeds, particularly almonds and sesame seeds, 
figs and oranges have calcium. And then, of course, like you probably thought at the beginning, dairy. Dairy is the most commonly cited source of calcium. One cup of yogurt has about 450 milligrams of calcium, and one cup of milk has about 300 milligrams of calcium. So if you try or if you tolerate dairy and you do your best to get the best quality possible, ideally, again, organic, because we don't want too many hormones and uh, antibiotics and things like that in our dairy. We don't want any of that in our dairy. So if you tolerate it and you're doing your best to get the best quality, then dairy can be a great option for calcium. But if you don't tolerate dairy or you're looking to reduce inflammation, dairy can be really inflammatory for a lot of people, then don't worry. You can get adequate calcium with all of the foods that I mentioned, the leafy greens, the beans, sardines, nuts, seeds, figs, oranges, things like that. So what can you do aside from just food to, or aside from just eating calcium-rich foods to ensure healthy bones? If you're going to take a supplement, I highly recommend choosing one made from whole foods. Because like I mentioned before, the most calcium supplements made from limestone, we just cannot absorb that. But when we get a whole food-based calcium supplement, it often has several cofactors like vitamin K and magnesium and vitamin D. And all of those together help our body process and use calcium and prevent the buildup. I could not find any studies that use these specific whole foods-based calcium supplements, but I strongly suspect that their results would have been much more favorable than the existing studies, which are done on the, the calcium carbonate version. So if you're going to take a calcium supplement, I recommend choosing a whole foods-based one. And I will link to one in the show notes, a new chapter version. I have no affiliation with them. I've recommended it um uh, often to clients, but there are several good brands available. If you just look for one that's whole foods based, um, not from limestone and does have those cofactors as well. So that's point one. Um, another point for bone health is that movement is critical. Weight bearing exercise is so important. There's a study from Johns Hopkins that says that women who sit for nine or more hours per day are 50% more likely to suffer from a hip fracture than those who don't sit for nine hours per day. So getting up and walking, running, jumping, strength training, all this stuff is great for your bones. And then finally, I won't dive into this too much because I'm wrapping up this section right now, but there are lots of foods that leach calcium from your bones. So any kind of acidic foods like soda, sugar, inflammatory foods, wheat, coffee, more, all of these foods leach the calcium from our bones. Just like I said uh, before, when parathyroid tells our bones to start breaking down the bone itself to put some calcium back into the bloodstream, a similar process happens when we're eating or drinking those foods, sodas in particular. So if you really want to dive into the details of all of this, I'm going to link to another podcast episode by Ben Greenfield, um, who has more details of all of this. But just suffice it to say, if you focus on getting some weight-bearing activity, focusing on those leafy greens, and reducing sugar, processed foods, wheat, inflammatory foods, things like that, you're doing great things for your bone health. 
One more caveat before we leave, which is that this is not medical advice. So you always hear the disclaimer at the end, but I want to put it right here in the body of the podcast today. If your doctor or your other practitioner has suggested a calcium supplement, don't stop just based on this podcast. Instead, I recommend discussing this research with that person um, and sharing your your questions, your concerns, and seeing if you could switch to a whole foods-based option, which will be much better for your body and come without those risks. The field of nutrition is always evolving, and I personally find it super exciting when I sit down to write a blog post or podcast like this and I have to go through like a jillion studies to figure out what is the the key takeaway because there are so many conflicting things, so many inconclusive things. It just means we're still learning. I will always do my best to stay on top of the research and try to update you when new information comes out. But in the meantime, consider yourself uh, one step ahead for continuing to learn, continuing to grow, and just for doing your best. That's all we can ask of ourselves. Well, hi there, friend. Do you feel pretty good, but not great? Are you trying so many things for your health, but you're just not sure which ones to focus on? Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed with your health and maybe even throw in the towel because nothing really feels like it's working? I've been there. And after getting to the other side for myself, I've helped thousands of people get there too. I promise you there is a better way than trying to research and try all of this on your own. There is a step-by-step system I've proven with over 8,000 hours of one-to-one coaching, and you can do this in a positive way. I call that way the Revitalize Health Accelerator. The podcast, the blog, and all the other information I put out there are the why and the what to do for your health. You can think of Revitalize as the how. I walk you through every single step of revolutionizing your life, and I'm here to support you and keep you accountable every step of the way. Every single woman who has been through the Revitalized Health Accelerator has raved about it. Women who have been struggling with their health, their body image, their energy levels, weight, bloating, sleep, digestion, emotional eating, so much more for decades, they finally feel amazing. Take it from them. Revitalize is the last health program you will ever need. If you're ready to feel empowered and energized about your health, head on over to www.thelionsshare.org revitalize to learn more about the program. And let's chat to see if you're a good match to be the next reveler. All right, my friends, I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was a whirlwind today. I hope you learned something. I hope you questioned. It's a great opportunity to always consider yourself in the process of continuous improvement. And I have two calls to action for you today. The first is to Google the Dirty Dozen. Keep it. Take a screenshot of it. Keep that somewhere on your phone. And next time you go grocery shopping, if you're able to buy one of those things organic, that's a great step. And then second, try to go for a walk today, even just 10 minutes or do 20 jumping jacks, something like that. That's so wonderful for your bone health. Thank you for listening, my friends. I hope you have such an amazing day and I can't wait to be back with you next week. (music) 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.